Try that again. As I said earlier, we're, we're at the very beginning of our Lenten series called Good God. We're exploring how good God is. And, and what we're going to be exploring this morning is uh, how is God good in a messy world? And as we see natural disasters, as we see viruses attack a world, as we continue to see wars and conflicts and and uh, all kinds of things happen in this world. Where, where is God in the middle of it? How can we say that God is good when the world seems so messy? I'm going to try and pull that baby apart. I might not do it justice. But pray for me now as I pray for you as we tackle this together. Loving God, we thank you for your awesome love and grace. And this morning, Lord, we want to uh, open a can of worms and to see how it all flies. And we ask, Lord, for your blessing upon the person next to us, either side, behind, and in front, asking that your spirit will bless them. And, Lord, that this morning we may see your goodness to us all. And so, Jesus' name, we pray, come and minister to us through your word. Amen. That was the clumsiest ending of a prayer I've done in a long time. Well, it's not too hard, is it, to see that God, uh, sorry, that we, we live in a, in a world that is broken. Even in Australia, where we're particularly isolated from a lot of the, the issues that the rest of the world faces, we can still see within our own country the brokenness around us. We see the loneliness. We may even experience it. We've seen the shattered relationships. We've definitely seen the abuse and, uh, and the horrific things that abuse does to people. We see the hopelessness and the, and the lack of purpose in, in the world around us. And this is beside the natural disasters, the wars, the sicknesses, the viruses... We can just see that the world is not what it should be or could be, that somehow it is broken. And it causes a lot of us to ask where God is in it all. And, and I've seen particularly among young adults, but also amongst uh, Gen Xers, um, to ask themselves, where is God and is God real? Is God good? Because what I see doesn't match up with what I think God should be on about. And here becomes, I think, the issue uh, in our world that what we think God should be on about and what God is actually on about sometimes can be a part. And when we're in the middle of the brokenness and when we're in the middle of the stress, we say, well, how can God be good? How can God be real if this has happened to me or this has happened to people I love or this is happening in the world? Where is God in the middle of it all? And so I want to lay a little bit of a a foundation uh, today to say where God is in the middle of this messy world and how he is good in the middle of it. We're told in the very beginning and the very few pages in uh, the Bible, in the creation story, that God created everything, including human beings, and he called it good. 
And it even states in there that human beings are created in his image. So we have a good God creating good things and calls us good as a reflection of who he is, as we're made in his image. We see from the very start that he is good, he intended good, he made good, but then the, the story goes on to say that it is broken, that it is messy, that it is fractured. And you want to read Genesis two, uh, 3 sorry, to, to get an explanation of how that brokenness happened. And so we see that from the very beginning, God's intent for you and I was to live in peace, to live in goodness, and, and to reflect his character in everything that he wanted done. And, and that along the journey, we have dethroned God, broken the world, and we are living in the mess of that sin. We're looking in the mess of that brokenness. We're looking in the mess of it. And, 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 but it does not and it did not change the intent that a good God wants the world to be reconciled no matter how messy it is. So God created a good, it got broken, but it didn't change God's intent. God's intent is still that the world would be redeemed, that the world will get back to the Garden of Eden, where he will walk in the garden and have communion with man. And so his job then turned from, from creating it good to reconciling it back to good. And this is the meta story of the Bible. This is the big picture of the Bible is that God is wanting to restore humankind from its messiness, from its brokenness, from its selfishness, from its abusiveness, from its hopelessness back to himself where life and wholeness and goodness flows. And so we're going to read a little bit of scripture and I'll do my best to pull it apart. It's chunky. And, and in reflection, I don't know why I picked it. But we're going to give it a go. It's from 2 Corinthians 4 and it goes from uh, 6 to 18. 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 6 to 18. For God, who said... Let light shine out of darkness. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God, glory, uh, sorry, knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. What's he saying here? He said, in the middle of the brokenness, God's intent is to let his light shine, to bring that restoration, that healing, that restorative work. That in the darkness, in the, in, in the shatteredness, he wants to shine his light. I don't know about you, but that just fills me with hope. God hasn't spun this planet into bang and said, it's a mess, off you go, have fun. He's going, no, this is broken, and I'm gonna, it's dark, and I'm going to shine my light in it. And he does it in the glory of Christ. It's gone. But we have this treasure, that glory of Christ, in jars of clay, fragile things, to show that he, uh, this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So here we have, as people of God, the glory of Christ within us, 
We have it in mortal bodies like jars of clay, easily broken, easily fractured. And he does that so that people will know it's not us, but it's actually God in us. And so Paul goes on, he goes, and we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And we carry around in us the body, uh, in our body, the death, or you can, you can change that to the suffering of Jesus, suffering that led to death, so that the life of Jesus, the resurrection, may also be revealed in our body. For we are alive, uh, sorry, for we who are alive are always being given over to the suffering, to the death for Jesus' sake. So that his life, his resurrection life, may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death and suffering is at work in us, but life, resurrection life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. So you see there he's going from talking about our Immortal, uh, our mortal body into our immortal body, our fragileness and suffering into the resurrection life and what God's life is intent for us into eternity. Because we know, um, you swapped on me, for this is uh, for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles um, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, not on what is seen, sorry, but what is unseen since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So there's a lot in that passage. We could spend a long time in it. I could almost preach a sermon line from line on it, but Paul's saying a lot in it. But I'm just going to do a quick run through and then I want to get to the point that I really want to get to. Paul says that the knowledge of God is important. Uh, that's one of his points, that, that when we have the knowledge of God, an understanding of who God is and what God is about, then we see things differently. It's important that we understand uh, the, the fullness and the complexities of what it means to be uh, dead to Christ and alive in his spirit. That's one of the points he makes. The other point he makes is that we are people who are jars of clay. But the power of God inside of us changes everything. That although we're, we're mortal and we're 
and, and our bodies decay and um, some quicker than others. And all the, all the things happen there that his spirit inside of us, his power of the resurrection inside of us changes everything. He talks about that. He talks about the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us and that's critically important. And he also spends a bit of time talking about that suffering is not the end. And in this day and age where suffering seems to be wanting to be avoided at every cost, Paul makes it very clear that suffering is a part of the work that uh, happens inside of us and we should not flee from it. So here's the tension that I want to talk about, about seeing God in a messy world. And this is where I want to spend my time. There's a tension, I believe, in how we see the world, and Paul outlines it in verse 18 and before, but when we look at the world through... We can, sorry, the tension is that whether we look at the world through mortal eyes or we look at the world through immortal eyes. You see, if we look at the world through mortal eyes, we're told that we shouldn't suffer. We're told that we shouldn't have problems. There shouldn't be any stress in our lives. We're told if we look through mortal eyes that we should live for today, live for ourselves. Your self matters. Uh, and you should have freedom to express yourself however you want to express yourself. You only have this one life. That's all you have. So you better make the most of it. So live life by your own rules. That's what mortal eyes tells us to do. When we see life in mortal eyes, it's all about us. It's all about now. It's all about what we can get out of it. It's what we think is important. But Paul here is saying, if you want to see how God is good in a messy world, then you've got to see through immortal eyes. And immortal eyes says, this is not about me. God is the judge. We don't like to think of God in those terms anymore. But that everything that we do is going to come to a fruition on the great day of judgment. That everything that we do, everything that we say, everything we think will become before the Father and will either be covered by the blood of Jesus or we won't. And God will judge us. That's why it's so important that we forgive people because when we don't forgive people, we're taking the place of judge. And that's why it says in scriptures that you can only be forgiven when you forgive because you place yourself in judgment over people and you're pretending to be God when you're not. So immortalize says that God is the judge. He's going to judge the living and the dead. Scriptures are really clear about that. God is the judge. And immortalize, we've got to look at this world as God being the judge. And when we see that God is the judge, then we see that this life matters, that God has created us for a purpose and for a reason. When we see that God is the judge through immortal eyes, we see that our choices matter. We see that life has purpose, that we are meant to be people who do good. We're meant to be people who do things that last, that are not temporary, but eternal. So Paul is saying, if you want to see 
how good God is in a messy world. You've got to look with immortal eyes. When I was thinking about this, I was was thinking of a child in the supermarket wanting lollies. We've all been there, haven't we, with kids or brothers or sisters and or something in the supermarket and throwing an absolute tantrum going I want it I want it I want it and the parent being very patient and saying no 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 and then every once in a while you see a parent go oh for goodness sake and throw it at them and go you have it and I was thinking that sometimes when we see God in the mortal we're just that child who's saying I want I want I want I want but when we see, God, we see God with immortal eyes, he is the parent who has a bigger picture of what lollies do to our health and what, what is good for us and what is not. And when we see it in that way, we can trust that God has his best at heart for us. That only God has a way of fixing this broken and messy world that we're a part of. That only God has a way of renewing and restoring the human condition. And so where is God in this messy world? Well, God is in the person of Jesus who came to show us the way to live fully human and fully divine. Where is God in the messy world? He is the one who sends the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and mind to help us to see things with immortal eyes and not with mortal eyes. Where is God in the messy world? God is in the messy world by his spirit telling us that it is not about us but it is about God's plan and God's purpose and God's kingdom. Where is God in a messy world? He is in you And he is in me, calling us to live kingdom lives, to live different lives to the world around us, immortal lives to the world around us. So that the Holy Spirit in you and in me can challenge this broken world. It can work to eradicate loneliness, to give people purpose, to heal brokenness and to value relationships. Where is God in this messy world? God is in you. And God is in me. Where is God in the messiness of it? It is inspiring your heart to make a difference in your world. So good God in a messy life by the Holy Spirit is inside of us calling us to live a different way. God in us calls us not to lock ourselves away from our neighbours, but to fully engage with them. God in a messy way doesn't see people as different, but sees them as loved children of the Most Holy God. The God in us calls us to look at people not by by their social, economic or their racial background or what is happening and the brokenness in their life, but to see them as children of the Most High. When we see with immortal eyes, we see with the kingdom picture that God 
came as Jesus, called amongst himself three, twelve, seventy-two people, and said, Go, make disciples. Go with immortal eyes, with kingdom values. Go and bless this world. Go and make a difference. Go and find a mess and let me help you clean it up. And yes, you might feel like you're pressed on either side. Yes, you may feel like sometimes your life is out of control. Yes, you may be praying for something and you haven't seen it yet. Yes, you might feel like you are being persecuted for what you believe. But Paul says you may be pressed, you may be pushed, you may be, but don't lose hope. Because the Spirit of Christ is in you. And that very Spirit is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. And although your body is an uh, immortal shell, the resurrection day is coming where it will become immortal. And even though this world seems broken and decaying, there is going to come a day when God is going to renew heaven and earth. And he calls us to be a part of it. So don't lose heart. Don't just focus in on your circumstances, but focus in on what God wants you to do through your circumstances. Don't look at what's happening in your life and think, woe is me, but look at what is happening in your life and say, Jesus, how do you want to use this? I was speaking to a colleague who is critically unwell at the moment. I was at a um, Steve Abbott's birthday party and I met him there. Critically unwell. You can tell that he's unwell. And he says, Barry, my body is failing me, but I've had the most amazing experiences of God. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, I, I, I just know that I can't do anything that I used to do. But the opportunities that I've had to speak into people's lives to speak eternal truths. He said, I'm not, I don't want to take that back. He said, I prefer to be weak and fragile and have those opportunities than healthy and whole and not. So here he is saying, yes, I'm pressed in. Yes, it's not what I would want. Yes, it feels like my life is going in a direction that I didn't want it and didn't ask for it but yet I'm going to see what God's purpose is in it. So I want you to do a couple of things, people of God, as we look with immortal eyes instead of mortal eyes at a good God who is in us, who transforms us and renews us. The first thing is do not lose heart. God is with you. God is for you. God has got you. God is bigger than your circumstances. Trust him. Secondly, Paul focuses us on, on uh, uh, inward renewal. And, and what he's suggesting there is our relationship with God is more important than what we give our time to it. He says, be inwardly renewed. 
Come before God, let him renew your heart. Feeling tired, let God re-energize you. I was, I was, uh, I've, I've had a couple of weeks, which I prefer not to have again. And I, I, I climbed into bed last night and I was just feeling this pressure, this overwhelming tiredness, this, this heaviness that I had not felt in a very long time. And I think, Kelly said, how are you doing? I said, I think I need a holiday. That was the kind of, I know I'm having one, but get over it. But I was just feeling this tiredness, this weariness of the bone, this deep down, oh, I think I'm going to need a couple of days off kind of weariness. And then these words came to me because, you know, I just polished off what I was going to prepare today. And so I said, no, God, I'm going to come to you in my weariness. I'm going to let you renew me. I'm going to let you restore me. It's not about me taking time off. It's not about me. I might still need it, but I said, but but you're my source of life. I'm not going to look at the mortal things that I should be doing. I'm going to look at the immortal things that I should be doing. And so I started calling on the name of the Lord. I didn't wake Kelly up, but I was calling on the, on the name of the Lord. I said, Lord, you need to renew my soul. I cannot get up and preach tomorrow morning feeling the way that I'm feeling. And as I started pressing into God, as I started to to say to praise God for who he is and for what he's done. I started to remember all the lives that God was, is changing, all the prayers that God has answered, all the things that God is doing. And I felt my soul start to rise within me. I started to feel a joy come upon me. I said, there it is, God. And then God started to renew my soul. And I thought, now I can fall to sleep. Now I can get up in the morning and pray. Let God renew you inwardly, not with mortal, but with immortal eyes. Let the God enter into your messiness and let him transform it. And lastly, I want to encourage you to give yourself to the kingdom cause. That God's number one plan is to use you and the spirit of God inside of you. So what I want to encourage you to do is look at how you can be a blessing to people. I've spoken to you about that before. As I'm driving around, I'll say, Lord, why can't you touch that person? Bless them into a reality of your love and your grace. I was driving in today and I, and I saw a, a mum pulling a pram into a house and said, Lord, that person, bless them. Be a blessing to those around you. Not just in words, but if you can, in action. Look to pray for people at every opportunity. When someone comes and is sharing you a heart issue that they're going on, something that is struggling with, with that lady I talked to you about earlier, pray and ask God to make a difference. Look to pray. But most importantly, fix your eyes. The psalmist used this language a lot, to fix your eyes, to look up, to have your concentration. 
on the immortal and not the mortal. To fix your eyes on what is eternal, not what is temporary. To fix your eyes on what God wants to do in you and through you to make that makes eternal differences in these worlds. So where is a good God in a messy world? It's in you. And whether you are yet to be a follower of Jesus or whether you've been following Jesus for a long time, the call is the same. Let the cross do its work. Let the Holy Spirit fill you and get out and change the world. Let's pray together. Please stand. And if you'd like to respond today as every eye is closed, every head is bowed, if you'd like to respond some way, going, God, here I am. I want to be used by you. Sorry, God, I've allowed myself to be distracted by other things that aren't important. Sorry, God, that I've been about myself and not about your eternal values. And I simply ask you to hold your hands out in front of you. As a, as a sign of just saying, God, here I am. I want to be different. Here I am. I want to be focused on different things. Here I am, God. I, I, want, to, I want to make a difference. And let's pray together. Let's pray. Loving and holy God, for all those people whose hands are out in front of them saying, Lord, Lord, I want to be different. I want to see different. I want to be different. Lord, I know that you've, we've made it all about us and not about you. Lord, will you fill their hearts and their minds with your glory and with your grace, with your love and with your forgiveness? Will you come right now, Lord, and minister to them by the power of your Spirit? Help them to let go of the things that they're holding on to that are not of you. So that they can enter into your presence and be empowered for your service. And help us, Lord, as your community to be people of faith that believe that you can move mountains that you can change everything. Give us kingdom eyes, Lord, for the glory of your name. Amen.